This podcast discusses difficult topics that may not be appropriate for all listeners. We are not doctors or therapists. None of our content should be construed as medical advice, nor as a substitute for professional help. Names and other specific identifying details are often changed for the privacy and protection of our guests. Our guests' experiences are shared as they experienced them. Opinions may not reflect the opinions of Beck and Ella or this podcast. There will also be adult language used. Lots of it. Listener discretion strongly advised. Welcome back to Narcissist Gaslighters and Cheaters. Oh my, I'm Beck. And I'm Ella. We have taken a little bit of a break and uh, we had a lot of really exciting things going on in life and needed to take a little bit of a season ending break. So we are back now here in 2024 and we are very excited to get back on it. So um, with us today, we have Cheryl with us and she is going to talk to us about a past relationship and she told me this story a few months back, and I was like, you have to tell that <laughs> on the show. That is such a good story. So without further ado, you can take it on over. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Hello, I'm Cheryl. I grew up in a rural town in the Midwest. Not a lot of people, so everybody kind of knew everybody type of place. But my mom was in the military, so we traveled a lot. So I didn't have a lot of close friends growing up because even though we lived in the one town, we were constantly on short vacations out of town while she was doing different trainings and conferences and things like that. So I wasn't real close with anybody. Okay. Both my parents were very generous people. They never argued. Um, I had a very supportive, loving family, but then an incident happened where uh, growing up, they used to bring in a couple of elderly people from the local, I don't even know what you call it, like a nursing home. Mm -hmm. And we would kind of foster these folks like one weekend a month or whatever. Okay. Uh, and they would come hang out with us at our house. And I was four or five years old. One of the gentlemen ended up molesting me. He would chase us, me and my little sister, around the dining room table, and everybody thought it was just fun and games until, you know, it became my first sexual experience. Oh, I'm so sad. And I, that's okay, <laughs> that I told my parents, and they didn't come around anymore. They'd been coming around for months and months and months, but they didn't come around anymore, but nothing else was ever said or done about it either. With no police report or... No, no. The man was severely mentally disabled. Gotcha. So I, you know, nothing probably would have come from the police anyway, but no counseling for me, anything like that. Was there conversation? Did they talk to you about it or try to walk you through? No, no. I think it was kind of one of those things you didn't talk about back then. Just swept it right under that rug. Yeah, yeah. We took care of it. He's not around anymore. <laughs> So sorry. Ah, yeah, you know, like, you know that 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 doesn't kill you, right? For sure. Mm -hmm. That's kind of where I live my whole life now. <laughs> then, as I got a little bit older, even though my parents didn't argue with each other, they did end up getting divorced because they were not exactly loyal to each other either. <laughs> so, it became a really messy '80s divorce where. They're both bickering about each other to the, the kids instead of dealing with each other. And so we kind of became these pawns or these tools. And then other than that, they didn't want much to do with us. They were kind of busy living their own new lives. Yeah, the, the 80s were wild. Yeah. Wild. We were feral, man. <laughs> yeah. 
just wild. Latkey kids. We were. Total. Cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> well, the adults, not the kids. The adults. I'm just saying, the adults were on the like cocaine. It was crazy. We drove by one of my old houses that I lived in when I was a child. And I remember almost every day walking to, or walking to school, yes, but every day after school, walking up to this gas station with my friends when I was like eight. And it was like a mile away. Like in my mind, it wasn't that far. But when we drove by and it's across these two busy streets, I'm like, what was happening? But like even then, like things, they just didn't have the tools um, and didn't know enough about now. Like we all know what we would do. You know, we'd immediately call the police and we would do the counseling. And mm-hmm. they just, the 80s were just another time, man. Mm-hmm. But we all survived it. We're all 80s babies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was the wild that's for sure. <laughs> I don't know how many times I came home like just a bloody mess. <laughs> like whether I fell out of a tree or had a bike wreck. Oh, yeah. Uh, You know, you name it. Yeah. yeah. And you just like, yeah, I'm hurt. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, here, let's pour some alcohol, rubbing alcohol on it. That'll make it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or that back teen. Is that what that was? A stung so bad. They're like, here, this will yeah, clean yeah, it. Yeah. Let me scrub the gravel out. <laughs> <laughs> I remember calling my mom when I was home because I was home alone, you know, after school every day. I called her because I was hearing noises upstairs and my little eight-year-old mind and my friend, we had convinced each other that someone was in the house. Like, they were not. But I remember calling her at work and I'm like, we think someone's in the house. And she's like, no one's in the house. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> they were, but <laughs> good thing, I guess. Good thing. <laughs> I don't think we locked our doors for the longest right. time because we always had family, extended family. My, you know, like older uncles that lived up the road and they, everybody kind of lived in the same area and they would just wander into the house, you know, whenever and you're just like, oh, hey, <laughs> that's crazy. I'm so, I'm glad you survived. We are, yeah. Questionable parenting choices of the 80s. Yeah. Yes. So their divorce was. It was messy. It was messy. It was a messy, sloppy 80s divorce, you know, kind of Kramer versus Kramer is what I, you know, that movie was very popular then. And yeah, my my parents were full of uh, bad judgments. And and on the note of being a feral 80s kid, like my mom being in the military, every summer she had to go away for annual training. And so we would go to this camp north of us and spend two weeks just at this campground living in a a travel trailer while she went over to the base to do her training and she would leave us all day yeah <laughs> in this campground with with in the a woods. bunch of other military kids whose parents were also it's like yeah i was maybe 10 yeah you know i couldn't go to the store if i needed they had like a convenience store there at the campground kind of thing you know and i i worked for free slushies 
as Yogi the Bear, I would dress up and get free slushies. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> they were fine with that. They're like, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. And I, I try to I try to tell myself like someone in my family tried to kill me when I was a child, like legit tried to kill me. You know who I'm talking about, I'm sure. But it was like uh-huh. I'm like, didn't anything happen? I mean, like, did anybody question why a 13-year-old is trying to murder a five-year-old? Wow. No, we just went about our day. Yeah. Like, well, don't tell her mom. Her mom might get upset. Exactly. I, I always tell myself, like, they didn't have the internet. You know, like, as a parent, I don't know what I would have done without being able to Google, is that color in a diaper normal coming out of a child? Yeah. I, <laughs> here are all those things that just, like, happen. I, that's what I like to tell myself. They just didn't have the internet. They could not research why you should not involve children in an adult problem. Yeah. Right. And Dr. Spock only taught them so much. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that was, you know, they were big on crying out. That was, yeah. Yeah, right. Just cry it out. Right now. Okay. That will cause anxiety later on. <laughs> you won't be on a cocktail of anti anxiety medication. Oh, not at all. We'll be fine. You and all the other feral military kids are just in the woods yes. alone. Just in the woods, riding bikes, running around, causing havoc all day. Yep. While, while mom's off um, hanging out with her new boyfriend and all these military guys and. Good examples of my early education on what relationships looked like um, was, you know, my parents not getting along and using us as pawns, seeing all these different girlfriends. My dad always moved in his girlfriends every time. They always needed something. So it was like this constantly this cycle of some girlfriend coming in. She has kids. They need help. They have, they then they got to go for some reason. And there's another one. And she's an alcoholic. And you know, uh, so it was over and over. Uh, my mom thought it was a good idea that we should watch an officer and a gentleman. She thought that was a great movie. So her kids should watch it. So tell our our listeners a synopsis for those who have not seen it. Oh, geez. So Officer and Gentleman is about a guy that goes off to, I want to say it's his like basic training um, to become an officer. And he ends up in this small town and there's, of course, a bar that they all hang out at. And all the local girls go to this bar to meet up with the military guys and they're working in a factory. And it's a very turbulent relationship where it's very love-hate and he treats her poorly. And now I see it and I'm like, oh, that's very much emotional abuse, right? It's not passion. Yes, it's not passion. And uh, by the end, of course, they are in love and he goes in and carries her out of the factory and off they go after all the abuse. I remember watching Pretty Woman, like (laughs) thinking, yeah, if you're just a a sex worker one time this millionaire yeah <laughs> will come swoop in also richard gear right yeah same leading man yeah right <laughs> it is yeah. he's got a niece there yep he's got the white male figure yep yep well, so yeah that that was kind of the impression you got growing up then that's what all the movies were that's what everything you know love their damsels in distress yeah the damsels in distress even the disney movies yeah i wish we would have had moana and frozen back then (laughs) exactly raya i love all i'm like yes that's what i'm pushing on my kids like aren't these yes yes. yeah yeah 
I told my girls, I remember when we were watching Frozen and he shows up and says, how can I help? You know, instead of I'm here to rescue you. Yeah. Pay attention to that girl. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. She doesn't need to be rescued. She needs some help. Right. Exactly. So, yeah, that was my that was pretty much my feral childhood running around. And then, uh, let's see. The other side of that was when I was in my hometown, I was a pretty shy kid. And I very much became a target of bullying a lot because I was shy. I was kind of a dorky, shy girl. I mean, it was so bad that, you know, I would go to basketball games because I was trying to make friends and trying to hang out and trying to fit in. But like I said, I was I didn't have a lot of friends because we were gone all the time. And I wasn't in very many activities because my mom would be responsible for picking me up and dropping me off places. Well, she was never around to do that. Her job and her boyfriend were the most important things. So I couldn't participate in anything because we live, we definitely live too far out in the country right. to, to just walk to school and do something. Um, so like I went to a basketball game once just to go hang out and try and fit in. And I must've been in like eighth or ninth grade and I was just sitting in the bleachers. And next thing I know, there's some boys behind me laughing and they had thrown a bunch of wads of gum in the back of my hair. Boys are assholes. Just to be assholes. Exactly. So that was basically my uh, experience in school. So I was not a big fan. Kids are so mean. Of my town. Yeah. I tell my kids all the time, I'm like, they know that I would rather them commit an armed robbery than I find out they were bullying someone. Yeah. You will be in more trouble for that. Please don't commit an armed robbery. But like the levels of a livid I will be if I find out you are intentionally cruel to someone for no reason. Like, no. And I don't think that they would. You got to have some true meaning behind your crimes, right? Yeah. <laughs> like I needed I needed money for something. <laughs> I was hungry. Right. I was hungry. Don't be a bully. Don't be a mean girl. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. And I will kick you out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, not raise you that way. Oh, and the, and yeah, and the girls that I that I was kind of friends with when I was younger became kind of the popular mean girl group. So yeah, I wasn't friends with them later because I was dorky, I had glasses and zits and frizzy hair and didn't participate in anything. You were a normal teenager. I was a normal teenager, <laughs> normal preteen. <laughs> yeah. So I pretty much had it with that town and then um like my junior year of high school i started getting into drinking and drugs way more fun than having gum put in your hair way more fun <laughs> and i got uh, a new group of friends yeah uh, but even that group of friends ended up being you know is more like i was kind of a responsible person like i you know i was the person that at 16 i went out i got a job i got my car so I had some cash to burn and gas was only like 98 cents a gallon. Oh, no. And those were the days. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> so I was kind of like everybody's ride or I was I was the party because my mom was always out of town. So the party was always at our house because uh, she, she would be gone for days and days and days. And, you know, here we are, 16 and 14 and 17 and 15, my, me and my sister. Yeah, so... So they're benefiting from you. Yeah, they were benefiting greatly from us. So, and I was just happy to have friends. Right. So I let that go, you know, and then I then I got my first high school boyfriend. 
he was a nice enough guy at first and he gave me some attention. He wasn't, you know, the most attractive guy or smartest. He was smart, but he he was also trying to trying to be a thug in in small rural Midwest. <laughs> so, you know. <laughs> It's a look. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so, it's a style choice for sure. It's a style. So yeah, we he ended up he actually ended up dumping me for some some girl he had met from the sport he was in. The capacity. Yeah, but because I'm drinking and and doing drugs, I'm still like the chick on the side for him. So I didn't have a whole lot of self worth, and so that went on for a while. Which is an important point because yeah. that's how all of us end up in situations where we know they're not good, but it's like you start from a bad place. And yeah, I totally get it. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. And I just kind of felt like, you know, at least I'm getting some attention. Right. That's kind of what it felt like. At least you're getting some attention. Yeah. So yeah, that's kind of where that all went. And then uh, after a few years, uh, I was going to community college. I, I ended up well, first I went to a university and I was only there for a year because it was in a small town and I was bored. Um, so I was like, I'm not staying here. This is lame. <laughs> so went home, did community college for a couple of years, had actually met a decent boyfriend at the community college, but he turned out he was kind of a kind of a hippie ish type guy, kind of a bohemian. And one day he tells me, he's like, I got to go. My roommate just robbed the gas station. <laughs> he's like, so we're going to Mexico. Do you want to go? No. Like, no, thanks. No. Well, that's a terrible idea. So that was the end of that relationship. Wow. So even though he was a decent guy, he uh, he fled. Did he make it to Mexico? He did. He's still there? No, he ended up back. Okay. Back in the state. But yeah. After the statute yeah, so, limitations. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that was it. And I'm like, okay. So that was the end of boyfriend number two. <laughs> For those listening, that rarely works. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> Only in this story and in the movies. Right. Somehow in the movie. <laughs> Not a good life plan. Oh. No. Man. Don't rob. Yeah. <laughs> so a decent one. Decent one got up and left because, you know, the law. So. <laughs> Damn law cock blocking. I know. I know. So it was like, well, darn. You know, I'm like, okay, well, that sucks. So now I'm I'm in college still in, let me think, this must have been my first year at my new university. And I'm working in a bar. I'm actually working in two bars. I'm working and a bagel shop. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I was told I was a bunch of jobs because while I do one bar, I would just wait tables on the weekends. Another one I would cook in at night and the bagel shop I would work at in the mornings. Wow. That's a lot. And then because it was near the college. So I would like go to classes in the afternoon and then what? I know I'm a workaholic kind of when I do work. So. It's also amazing what we could accomplish when we were that age. Yeah, right? Yeah, I did. I had several jobs in college, too. I had a full load, two internships, and a job one time. I remember looking back at <laughs> my schedule. I was like, what? But I was also early 20s, so. Right. right. Exactly. Exactly. All kinds of energy. Uh-huh. Like mad energy. <laughs> oh, yeah. For, for good and evil. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
so here I am um, going to college, working in this bar. Uh, and the one I was cooking in, they would do karaoke at night. And I like to sing. That was something I've always done my whole life. So I was up singing karaoke, of course, drinking. Per my norm, everybody's coming back to my house after the bar because my parents aren't around. Uh, my dad had moved to Florida. He was snowbirding it at the time. So he had me at home watching over his house in, in the Midwest. Nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I'm going to college. So everybody's coming over. What could possibly go wrong? Yeah. yeah. So everybody's coming over, including, we'll just call this guy my ex. Okay. Uh, he follows all of us. I don't know him, though. I, I, I only know his name because I had gone to school with his family, like some relatives of his. And it's a unique name. So I knew the name. I didn't know him. But he just kind of followed everybody to my house. And actually, I think maybe he rode with one of the girls I worked with. So he didn't have a car or something, something like that. Right. So he ends up at, at my house and apparently he liked me the way I sang my presence, whatever. And so he was charming me, you know, about, oh, you're so awesome and wonderful. And na, 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 na. and I'm like, OK, whatever. I got nothing else going on right now. Right. Just bored, and lonely. And, you know, I just I go through boyfriends that don't really want to stick around so hey whatever let's hang out i thought this was going to be like a one night stand <laughs> kind of situation turned out into this guy never leaving for about seven years oh my gosh <laughs> so yeah longest one night stand ever longest yes yeah wow he was a very macho type guy, very, um, you know, he played aggressive sports in high school. Call him Chad. Yeah. I'll. Yeah. <laughs> Chad's a good, Chad's a good one. So yeah, he, that's what he was into. And he wanted to watch sports all the time. And he was all about, you know, getting into the, ah, I'm going to root for the team, even though you really have nothing invested in it personally. It was a big deal for him. And he had never gone to any of these universities or anything. So I'm like, okay, whatever. He was also very much into like weightlifting. I'm a man. Look, look how manly I am. He had a little bit of a testosterone issue, maybe. That was basically him. And he, he ended up, like I said, not just not leaving, but being a parasite mm. was the best word I could think of for him for like seven, eight years. Yeah. In the beginning, did you have attraction to him or did you think you liked or I mean, I thought he was fun because at the time I was just like drinking and hanging out with people and I just wanted to go to bars. And so I thought, well, this is this is fine because this is all I'm doing right now anyway. Right. You know, so I didn't think much of it in that way. He was more of my party buddy. Gotcha. Yeah. But being somebody who grew up traveling and seeing different countries and places in our country as being a military brat you know I still like to explore and I'm very outdoorsy and I like to go out and do things and it became like because I wanted to go do these things just like in the past I want somebody to come with me but of course nobody has money including my ex to do anything so it became everything was on my dime right yeah <laughs> so but I was like I just want somebody to party with so Okay, sure. I'll I'll support that. 
It's not very manly there, Chad, when you're making her pay for everything. I know. Exactly. Here I am working three jobs, you know, so that I go into school. So, yeah, I mean, we even ended up going to like uh, Woodstock 99. Nice. Yeah. I paid for him and his brother to go because he wanted his brother to go. Wow. Chad looked out. I think Chad got, he got a hell of a deal, man. Yeah, he did. And this is like the first year, you know? Wow. That's the first year? Yeah. 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 Lisa, yeah. I'm like, I can't go to New York by myself. Right. And I had, I had other people going. Um, I had a cousin that was going with a group of people. I, you know, I had a sister that was going with a group of people. But the ex, Chad, wouldn't, as the Chad he is, we couldn't ride with anybody else. It was, it had to be just me and him and his brother traveling together. You paying extra gas money and all. Right. Gone for free. Yeah. Right. And you're not hanging out with everybody. Right. You know, he's he was start. That's when he started kind of limiting me. Like it's just going to be me and my brother and you on this trip to New York that you're paying for, and and back that you're paying, for. and it's going to be in his car. Basically, I think that's where he started to keep the control. It was like, well, we can do these things. You're paying for it, but I'm going to be the one at the wheel, so that calling the shots, calling the shots. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of when it when this started taking that turn yeah eventually my dad decided as the snowbird that he was gonna sell his house so we needed to look for somewhere else to live I had a roommate (laughs) the ex actually one night when I was driving everybody home ended up fondling her from the back seat and I just thought wow he's just like really drunk because he also liked to do like he was the kind of guy he liked to do Jaeger bombs of course he did yeah yeah he was a Jaeger bomb kind of guy so I'm like wow he must be really shit-faced right so I took him to our place and I literally dumped him out on the lawn good <laughs> and I went home with my girlfriend to go hang out and left him on the on the lawn <laughs> like there hopefully you learned your lesson right thinking i would learn my lesson if someone left me sleeping on the lawn yeah not chad have a feeling apparently not (laughs) no no no, this would just be one of many uh extremely drunk experiences so he did that uh let's see what's another another one was he just asked me to cut his hairline like he was cutting his own hair And he wanted me to trim up the back. And I told him, I grew up with all sisters. I've never cut a guy's hair before. And I'm not the most, I'm not an artist. And I'm not great with straight lines. Like, don't ask me to draw a straight line. I can't do it. I'm like, I don't think you want me to do this. And he's like, no, it's fine. It's fine. Here, just do it. So I went to trim up the back. And I cut too much. I went kind of up the back of his head. (laughs) Which kind of I think it's kind of funny I'm like sorry you know I don't know what I'm doing and he turned around with such hate and anger in his eyes and he was like you stupid fucking bitch Mm -mm. and I really thought oh shit like nobody's ever talked to me like that before especially not not my parents we were never spanked as kids we were never it was that was a shock to me I've never been talked to like that whoa like sorry but being kind of the much as I like to hang out and meet people, I'm still kind of shy and reserved inside. I'm not a confrontational type person. So I was like, oh, man, my bad. Ooh, OK, back up. Right. Yeah. 
But I think the, the pattern there is like they set you up to fail <laughs> so yeah. and criticize and like just chip away at what self-esteem you have. You know, I think they exactly. do those things on purpose. Exactly. Exactly. And that's exactly what he did. It start, you know, and then after that, the bagel shop I was working in, he got a job at the same place working in the back. So now not only is he around all the time when I'm not working, now he's showing up when I am working at work <laughs> during the day. And then I'm working in these bars at night. I quit the one I was that I was uh, cooking in and I started waiting tables more. And he would show up at that place at night and he would run up a tab and then he would refuse to pay it. Ugh, he is a parent. And everybody knowing that he was there to see me is like, well, you got to pay this because he's here to see you. I'm like, fantastic. And he wasn't a light drinker. It's not like he's coming in and having one beer. Did he ever have a job? His main job was being a bartender, but he bounced around at a lot of different places. Imagine. Yeah. And on that note, he started telling me because I when I first met him and he was talking about himself, I thought he was interesting because he had lived in one of the major cities that we have in the Midwest. And he was telling me about that. And I had never lived in I visited a lot of major cities, but I'd never lived in one. Right. Like I've never taken the rail system to go to work every day or anything like that. Mm -hmm. You know, so I thought that was kind of interesting and fun. Well, Later, that kind of backfires on me because he starts talking about his experience in that in that city and how the girlfriend he had while he was bartending downtown in this place was the manager and all this basically money he could steal from the place while he was there and how she let him get away with everything. And then it turned into, oh, well, you know, she would do this and that. You should start behaving in this way or you should start straightening your hair because she straightened it and it looked really good. Things like that. In a way, fighting things to, to make you feel less than gross. Exactly. So gross, Chad. So I need a place to live. My dad sold his place. We ended up living in a friend, a mutual acquaintance of mine, a friend of his that I had met while I was waiting tables at this bar, but he had known this guy as a friend. He has this apartment in his basement that he's looking to rent out, you know, cheap. So it's like, okay, well, I need a place to live. This guy needed, a, my ex needed a place to live. So we end up renting this basement room apartment. We had, I can't remember exactly what the deal was. The deal was something like I would buy like food and expenses. And I think the ex was supposed to pay the rent, kind of our deal. Well, I held up my end of the bargain. Right. <laughs> he never paid the rent. Spoiler alert. Yeah, spoiler alert. So other guy keeps coming to me saying, hey, the rent's not getting paid. And I'm like, you know, fuck this. I'm out of here. And I decided I'm just going to go stay with my mom because I had a plan that I wasn't sticking around much longer anyway. I was going to move out of state and go basically finish college and have a new life and get away from that small town I'd grown up in that I wasn't real fond of anyway. Mm -hmm. So I move in with my mom and guess who shows up because, oh, I got kicked out of the apartment and I need a place to stay too. <laughs> so here comes the ex living in my mom's house. She's a kind person. You know, she takes in all the people that need help. Right. So she takes him in too. 
And of course, he's, you know, he's charming her by like, oh, I'm going to help you around the house. And he like retiles her entryway, you know, and he. This will buy me a good year or two of being an ass. Exactly. Exactly. He's like, I'm going to do some things for her mom to show what a good guy I am. Right. But then we're getting into these big fights and he's, con- you know, he's continuing to chip away at me, as you say, and and break me down. And she's hearing these fights and she's basically like, look, you know, the time has come that you guys, you guys got to go. This is too much. I'm not going to live like this. And I'm like, you know, you're right. So when I decided to move was it was the year 2000. And if Y2K didn't shut everything down, it's out there. <laughs> Another wild time. <laughs> Another one. <laughs> oh, those damn four digit dates. I <laughs> know. Oh, Dang it. So I worked uh, New Year's Eve was my last day, my last shift. I worked in my town, my little small rural town, and I was packing up the next day and leaving the state. That was my plan. And I did. That was my plan. I went with it. And I'm like, I'm out of here. Awesome. You know, I was like, I'm just going to transfer to a college down south and I'm starting over. How far were you into this relationship at that time? About a year. That's all in a year? It was all about in a year. Wow. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. That was just like year one. Damn, Chad. Don't worry. The rest of it's not going to be that long. No, it's not about that. It's like, that's a whole lot to have. (laughs) It's a lot of the same things over and over and over. So yeah, I, I packed up and I left in my car and he followed me in his car to my dad's house in Florida. Did you know he was following you? I did. And I'm like, I am leaving. I'm moving. Like, oh, well, I'm just going to come down, you know, make sure you get down there safe. Kind of a thing. Bruh. Nope. He, he, he got down there and never left. So, yeah. And then it turned into for the next so many years, you know, he, he would take that and go, well, I moved down here not knowing anybody. For, and I don't have any family down here. Like it was somehow my responsibility to take care of him then. Right. I'm like, I didn't ask you to move down here. <laughs> So, so yeah, it starts with, I, I go to my dad's right away. I find a job within the first like week or two. I'm waiting tables in a like steakhouse brewery. Of course, what does he do? He's like, oh, that seems like a nice place. I'm going to come work where you work. Oh my God. Gets a job at the same place. And then he made sure that we were always working the same shifts. I couldn't be alone ever. You know, he was always up my ass, basically. We made we made a mutual friend because being new down there, um, I saw somebody who had a Jeep with a kayak on top. And I love to kayak. I'm very, like I said, very outdoorsy. I love camp and kayak. And I was asking this person, I'm like, hey, where do you go kayaking around here? And the funny thing is he kept blowing me off because he thought, you know, people say they're going to go outdoorsy people. They say they're going to go camping or kayaking with people all the time and they never show up and that never it always falls through. Right. So he didn't take me seriously, but eventually he did. And we all ended up being like best friends. So now my friend group is best friend. We'll call you know, he's he's our new best friend, his brother, my ex and me. And then, of course, you know, the new best friend had a girlfriend, so she was part of the friend group. And so anything we did was 
basically with this small group of people. So it's always me and these same people and my ex is friends with the same people. And I couldn't have friends outside of that. If I tried to make friends with other people, he made sure he either somehow got drunk and offended them by saying something, you know, that he knew was going to be rude and then they wanted nothing to do with us or try and turn me off by, you know, oh, well, that person, have you seen them do this or that? And you can't hang out with that person. They're just right. not not a good person to hang out with. You know. Trying to isolate you. So anyway, he was making sure that he was making sure that my group was limited. Right. You know, and that he that he had his thumb on everything. If he only applied that much ambition to a career. Right. Yeah. <laughs> to, to running his own life. Right. Something productive. Yeah. I'm like, oh, that's really sweet that you're worried about my life. You should work on yours. Right. Uh, so, you know, and then, of course, to go home to the Midwest is a good 22 hour drive. So anytime we would come home to visit our families, because we both grew up in the same small town, we would carpool because it's a 22 hour drive. But then it started turning into when we got home to the small town because we only had one car, we would always end up at his parents' house. And then my family would be like, hey, come visit. And we would either go over there and it would be very brief or I would borrow a car and they would continuously call me. Like, Where are you? What are you doing? Come back. You've got our car. You can't be out this long. And I'm like, I'm with my family. It's not like I'm, I'm not at the bar. I'm with my family. I'm visiting with my mother, you know, um, and this was him and his dad. So I see where he gets it from. Right. You know, that's when he started really trying to push my family. So now it's not only limiting my friends, but it's also limiting my contact, my family. It must have been torturous to be home and as close as you are to your sisters and yeah, your mom to yes. be so close and not be able to spend time. Right. And if he was around, like I said, if he was around with all of us, he's sabotaging it somehow. You know, we would have the big holiday get together because we've got a big family. So you're getting together with many people at once. And when we're doing that, you know, he's coming up with excuses why, oh, well, we have to hurry up and get back to, to my parents' house because they have something going on. They have a dinner going on or they have and it, I would only get to spend an hour with my family, mm -hmm. you know, with him there, of course. Right course yeah so that was tough did your sisters like him no not at all <laughs> you know and that was part of it out of respect for me they didn't say anything right you know they were like you know we didn't want to hurt your feelings right <laughs> they were seeing the way he was treating me the way he would put me down um i actually asked my sisters you know what are is there anything you remember that maybe i have blacked out because i've blocked some things out sure honestly because at this point, there was a lot of um, emotional and financial abuse going on. Not a lot of physical type stuff. Intimidation, but he hadn't actually put his hands on me. But, you know, when we're around my family, all of a sudden, that's when he wants to show off his wrestling skills. <laughs> and he wants to show how he can pin me down. You know, and I'm like trying to talk to my sisters. And next thing I know in a wrestling match and I'm like I'm 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 never I'm not a horse player anyway because I have four sisters right. you know I never had brothers so I'm like what are you doing like you're uh, you're being ridiculous wow so not fun not fun and it's like it's so obviously trying to dominate like let me just show how I am dominating 
in every way mm-hmm. and I can't this is, moment isn't about me so I'm going to go ahead and just like physically be dominating exactly I'm going to make this moment about me right yep and on that too he would demand things sexually when other people were around it would be like I would go into a bathroom even when my family was around I would go into a bathroom and he would come in behind me and be like hey let's do this real quick isn't this and I'm like what so gross no yeah and, and he would do that kind of shit and for, when our friends were around and he wanted the attention or if my family was even around yes so that you know this is the kind of crap that was going on for like the first five years of our relationship wow so it was all these little control things like I said the emotional the financial abuse now it's you know turning into sexual abuse too since we were living away from everybody you know things like well i got like my first cell phone when we had moved to the new state and of course he's like oh i want a cell phone too of course you do yeah this is this is back in the day of the first flip phone Mm -hmm. and of course he he, you know it's much cheaper to get a family plan right (laughs) so you know naturally it's a family plan in my name right of course Of course. And then he's using up all, you know, you had limited minutes back then and he's using all the minutes. So I don't have any minutes to call anybody. Right. Um, I needed a computer for school. So I buy, you know, this big desktop situation, (laughs) desktop and all that. And yep. And I need this computer for school, but it's always being used for computer games and looking up porn on the internet. What a shit bag. You know? Uh, and here I am trying to, and then he started with the whole, you know, it's really great. You're going to school and someday we can get married and I'll stay home with the kids while you work. What? <laughs> yeah. That was his, he's talking kids. That was his plan. We're not married <laughs> at this point. Oh, she was, she was his life plan. <laughs> she was his retirement plan. Like this was banking on this. Yeah, yeah, was. I was. He was making it all long term. You know, he's like love bomb you with, oh, you're so great and you're doing so great. And we can have this. I didn't want to marry him. Right. That was the thing. He's saying that. But I'm just like, dude, I, I just kind of want you to go away. It, it was becoming like more. I felt like he was just some leechy roommate. Right. You know, I'm like, I, I'm not attracted to you anymore. You're doing nothing but ruining my financial situation and my, you know, I feel like crap about myself all the time. And so then, I, you know, he really started getting into the drinking and drugs. He had discovered Xanax. So this is in the days, the early 2000s, and people start popping bars, the Xanax bars. Yeah. Yeah, the bars. And so then not only is he getting sloppy drunk doing Jaeger bombs. Now he's blacked out. He's literally <laughs> on his face right yeah oh fun so yeah like that scene in uh wolf of wall street (laughs) when he's on the quaalude yeah yeah (laughs) so he's just going to town so his drinking's getting worse his drug use is getting worse and now he won't even remember his behavior and he doesn't remember any of it right Right. so he's basically feeling like he's not responsible because he doesn't know what he says if you don't remember never took right didn't happen right and then um one of our trips back to our small town he adopts this little puppy 
and brings it back. So then it becomes our puppy. And then it becomes, well, you know, you can't go because we need to take care of this dog. Because mm-hmm. he can feel that I'm like, door. One foot out the door. Getting one foot out the door. Well, you need to stay here and, you know, we got to raise this dog together. We got to, you know, and I'm trying to better myself. I'm so glad you didn't get pregnant. Oh, no. Oh, I was, like I said, I was taking double birth control, man. I'm like, I had no plans because the way I was raised and seeing my parents and how bitter their relationship was, I never wanted to get I'm like, I don't want to get married and have kids. It's a wreck, you know? Right. I'm good with just being single. And if I find a good person, great. We'll hang out together. But, you know. Yeah. You know, and then I found this one. The <laughs> So I'm trying to better myself. And, you know, but he, he, he's still going on with, you know, you should straighten your hair and you should change your clothes. And he was trying to get me to dress more preppy. You should pay your bill. Yeah. He's like, you should wear collared polos and you should go to the strip club with me. And that's what he was all right. Yeah, it was pretty. And it wasn't working for me. And I finally start pulling away from him and moved out. And I'm continuing to go to college and get my associate's degree. So now I can go on to the university in the new state and it's in a different city. So I move about an hour and a half away. Without the next Chad? Without him. Yep. Because he was in a place, he had inherited a place from his grandparents. Of course he did. So he was, he had gotten that for free. Exactly. So he stayed there. I'm like, great. I'm out of here. I'm leaving. Right. So I move away. Um, We continue camping and kayaking with our friends. And one of the last straws was when we would camp, I really liked making, I would call them these tinfoil bundles. And they're delicious, by the way. I would take like a pork loin and some apples and potatoes and onions and butter Mm. and just put them all in this pouch and throw them in the coals. Nice. That sounds delicious. They were delicious. And then every like... 15 minutes or so, I would just grab a couple sticks and kind of rotate it so it wouldn't burn on one side, right? Mm -hmm. I'm in the process of doing this. He's sitting on a camp chair on the other side of the fire trying to get my attention. And I'm like, just a minute, you know, I'm I'm in the middle of this. I don't want to fall in the fire and I just, I need to do this. Let me flip my goddamn pork. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Let it flow. And of course he's, you know, of course he's taking bars and drinking and hitting the Jaeger. He came around the fire, grabbed me by the back of my hoodie, pulled me on the ground around to in front of his camp chair. He sits in his chair. He, I think he put his, I have to remember, he put his foot on my chest and he put his hand like down by my neck and was like, you're going to come when I call, when I tell you to come. The look in his eyes I just grabbed his arm and I bit the shit out of him. Good for you. Good. <laughs> I was like, I'm not doing it. And when I did that, he lost it. And I saw him cock back his other hand. He was ready to punch me in the face on the ground. And our friend, our new best friend and another friend grabbed him out of the back of his chair and yanked him back and threw him on the hood of a car. And he was just like spitting mad. That was terrifying 
Yeah, it was terrifying. I Again, I've never had anybody treat me that way. I've had him intimidate me. I've had him call me names. You know, I've had him put me down. That was a, the first and last time he ever got physical with me because I'm not putting up with that. <laughs> so right. that was it for me. Um, I graduated college and started teaching. Guess what happens? Get my first, get my apartment start teaching. I'm still in, in this town hour and a half away. He shows up because he needs a place to live. <laughs> he's a homosexual, what we like to call him on the show. And at this point, while I'm going to school, you know, I hadn't really had contact with him much in a couple of years. It was like he still lived in the same town, kind of where my friends were. So he would show up when I was hanging out with people. But yeah, he shows up and he's like, I need to start over. I need to get myself straight. I need a place to live. So he comes and and I'm like, well, you know, at this point, I'm not romantically interested in you. I, I want to help because I'm a helpful person and I got that from my parents and I'm, I'm here. Yeah, sure. I'll help you. You can be my roommate, basically. Then he sat on his ass for the whole first year I had my my new career and I'm I'm struggling as a first year teacher. It's hard enough as it is. And he's sitting on his ass on my computer playing games all day, not taking the dog out, not paying bills, not doing anything. I'm coming home stressed out of my gourd because first year teacher, he got like a part time job somewhere, but he wasn't even doing that very much. And so I had had it. So at the end of that year, I left my job. <laughs> even to get out of there. I'm like, he uh, he wouldn't pay bills. He wouldn't sign a lease. He wouldn't do anything. So I'm like, I'm out of here. So I left. Take the dog. Nope. I gave him the dog. Um, I gave him a car I had bought because it needed a lot of work, but it looked like it was going to be fun. Um, I had only paid a few hundred dollars for it like years before. I gave that to him. Um, I went and closed all the bank accounts and everything and got everything that we had, anything mutual that was in both of our names was out of our names, got it all closed. And I went and I moved in with my dad because I'm like, he can't come back here. My dad's not going to let him come here. <laughs> right. For sure. So I'm switching, I'm switching jobs. I'm switching counties and I'm moving in with dad. And you know what my anthem was at that time in my head? I kept replaying um, Bob Dylan in my head. It ain't me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, every time he would try and call me or anything, I just kept playing that song in my head. It ain't me, babe. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, and that was my anthem. So, you know, that was it. I'm not, I wasn't taking his, I wasn't going to take his calls anymore. If I knew he was going to be somewhere with our friends, I wasn't going there, you know, really separating myself. I'm done. He knew it. Then my roommate, well, she wasn't my roommate. She was a neighbor in college. I had only lived with her a couple months when I was finishing up college. Because mind you, this is all going on over seven, eight years. So uh, she got married. And I don't know if I had told you this previously. She got married and she got married in North Carolina. So I go up to North Carolina because she wants me to be her maid of honor. I get up there. We're staying in a hotel. And who shows up? My ex. Oh, my God. Because... He got a hold of my friend, the one friend I had from college that wasn't his friend, got a hold of her to see if he could come to, I don't even know how he knew about her wedding and everything, 
maybe on Facebook or whatever, or MySpace maybe at the time. But <laughs> yeah, but he he somehow knew about it and he insisted on coming up to her wedding. Oh my God. So he comes up to her wedding. Uninvited. Uninvited, basically. Well, she's like, oh, well, yeah, you know, he he gave her some sob story about how he wants to get back with me and na 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 na. So he shows up. I have no idea he's going to be there. He shows up. He's running around just being the most helpful person in the world at her wedding. Sure. Basically running around uh, being like the wedding planner, uh, making sure everything's running smoothly for her. Look at me. Look at me. Yeah. And then he had gotten like a suite in this hotel. And he's like, you need to come see this this suite I have. I wonder who paid for that. And I'm like, are you kidding me? It has a great view of the city. And I'm like, you know, I'm not really interested. And he's like, no, you need to see it. I'm like, okay, go open the door and I'll see it. So he opened the door. I looked at the view and I'm like, that's great. Enjoy your evening. Goodbye. Good for you. (laughs) And left him in his room. I'm like, goodbye. Good for you. Then he's like calling my family, calling my dad, all the people in my life, telling them how much he needs me and misses me. And of course he needs me. I was supporting his ass, right? Mm -hmm. I want nothing to do with it. And everybody knows he's full of shit. After... I had left him and all my stuff and all my belongings, you know, that he was interested in and basically said, I'm just leaving. Do what you're going to do. About nine months later, I start dating our mutual best friend. (laughs) Total fluke. We didn't plan it. The same one from the camping trip? The same one. The same one that I had met because I saw the The guy on his Jeep. Oh, wow. And... We were camping all the time together, and at the time, he was doing what's called mobile marketing, where they drive around in a in a van, and they go to different festivals, you know, in the summer, and they advertise right. whatever company has hired them, Yep, and give out free garbage, basically, to people under a 10 by 10 tent. So that's what he was doing around the country. So he was in town and he had gotten a hold of me and he's like, hey, I'm going to go camping, you know, and I'm taking my brother and my mom and we're all good friends. So I'm like, yeah, absolutely. I'll come camping with you. And that night he and I ended up just sitting up and talking all night by ourselves. And we had such a connection. Nice. And it's like, this is awesome, right? So then a couple days go by and it's a Friday night and I decide I'm going to have a campfire and I invite him and his brother and everybody over while he shows up by himself. <laughs> Again, we sit up all night talking around the campfire and end up making the moves on each other. <laughs> nice. Next thing you know, uh, he quits his job on the road and end up married with two kids oh i love that <laughs> like 15 years later so <laughs> yeah awesome oh, that's such a good story the ending not the beginning <laughs> not the beginning right. but but it ended up good you know it was like thank goodness for that person yeah for my husband he he was a friend through all of this and yeah does chad know that you married oh yeah yeah that's awesome that makes it so much better yeah like, so, and that, so while I was, um, when we had started dating and Chad found out about it, my ex found out about it, he started calling my husband's parents to tell them that I was cheating on him with my, my husband. Oh my God. <laughs> At this point, 
I hadn't been anywhere near this guy for almost a year. You're like nine months a year. And he's calling your future in-laws, my husband's family, my future in-laws to tell them that I'm a cheater and trying to poison that well for you. Trying to poison that well. I'm like, can you just go away? You're like, how am I cheating when I never agreed to be in a relationship with you? Exactly. I don't remember ever. Uh, yeah. Wow. But I'm a, I'm a nice person and a pushover. And, you know, that taught me a lot. I'm definitely less of a pushover. <laughs> we, um, you and I had talked about, like, the things we, the patterns that we see as kids, you know, like, where so often women are taught to be codependent, you know, to take care of everyone around you and to be a giver, giver, giver. And it just attracts mm-hmm. those takers. You know, a narcissist loves a, a giver. Exactly. And someone who doesn't want to, and like we're just trained to be kind. And that's like a, a tough one, I think, with kids too, is I'm always saying, you know, be kind, be kind. But then I start to think like sometimes you're kind to the wrong person that you already have the feeling in your gut of like, there's a reason that other people aren't nice to this person because they're picking up on something I'm not, or I'm trying to overlook. So yeah, I mean, we really are yeah. trained. We got to just learn to suck politeness. Yep. Exactly. It's so hard. It's hard to do. Yeah, it is. A big people pleaser too. I get it. So hard. Mm-hmm. And I got it from, you know, both my parents are people pleasers. Um, my dad, you know, he, he was that way with all these toxic relationships He I saw him in. And he got that from seeing the, the toxic relationships in the people before him and <laughs> his, you know, that he was raised by. So right. it just keeps going and going. And then the same thing with my mom. So... And then we saw that. And so now, yeah, I'm trying to teach my girls that, you know, yeah, don't be a bully. Be kind to people, but don't be a pushover. No is a complete sentence. Yeah. Set boundaries. Exactly. So I've got them in karate because they're both kind of shy. Good. (laughs) They're they're young, but I'm like, you're going to learn to defend yourself. Yeah. Because when you say no, I want you to mean it. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. hundred percent. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing your story. I'm glad we finally were able to get together. I'm sorry for all of the trouble doing that, but I'm glad that we were able to do it. It was a great story, and I'm so glad you got out of it and found the love of your life at the end of it. It's a very happy ending. (laughs) It's a very happy ending. And, you know, the the really crazy thing is, had it not been for all that chaos, I might not have ever been so close to my husband. Right. <laughs> through all that. Right. But I'm, and it, it kind of worked out in a way because, you know, when we met, we were both in our early 20s and we definitely weren't settling down material then. Right. Everything happens for a reason. That was like the, we kind of needed that like six years yeah. to get to know each other and <laughs> to grow up <laughs> before we were ready. But sure. <laughs> so awesome that it happened though and you've got two beautiful little girls and yeah that wouldn't have happened otherwise so things sometimes really work themselves out exactly that's a very hopeful story i love it yeah well thank you ladies thank you yeah thank you so much and i'm really anxious i was just talking to someone today that really needs to hear this episode so i'm very anxious for us to get it up and let them hear it it's been good i you know i've used my example even with my nieces because I saw one of my nieces was getting early in. She was the 
in high school and a high school, like first year of college, and basically in a very similar situation. Mm. Kind of a macho guy. She didn't really like him, but she felt like she needed to help him. He told, you know, I'm like, at that point, I'm like, no, you're not your job. He is not your responsibility. Fuck him. Right. Yeah. <laughs> gonna go <laughs> they're all adults they'll figure it out they're all adults and they will figure it out they're not our problem right not my monkey not my sir yes there <laughs> you go start. good for you and had you not gone through that you wouldn't have been there to say hang on pick it out exactly and then she would probably be on her way exactly to xanax chad yeah yep <laughs> yep right xanax chad <laughs> you will, you'll forever be known as that in my head yep <laughs> well thank you so much yes thank you yes ma'am thank you ladies have a good night have a good night bye thank you for listening we appreciate it so much if you want to support our show further you can share our podcast with your friends follow us on our socials at Pod. Or sign up for our Patreon to help keep the show going with a donation. Or you can become a patron for exclusive access to bonus content and interact with us and other loyal listeners on our feed. Meanwhile, if you liked what you heard today, please leave us a positive review. If you didn't, no worries. Move on about your day. If you want to share your story on our show, please visit our website at ngcompod.com to fill out the contact us form. Thanks again for listening. 